G'day and welcome to Stacks Podcast. I'm your host, Jai Deeg, and today is a different podcast. Um, we've got a very special guest coming up. I always say the guests are special. They always are. And uh, I want to thank all my guests for 2017 and also 2016 that were on the podcast. You guys make the podcast. And I want to thank you with all my heart and say thank you for uh, making the podcast what it is. It's one of the funniest podcasts and loosest podcasts I've ever heard. But I really enjoy every minute that we uh, that we spend on this uh, podcast. I, I love it. It's my favourite thing to do is to interview you guys and just to drag some of the stuff out of you that I do get out of you. It's fantastic. But uh, 2017 uh, wrapped up with uh, the passing of my brother, Clay Raymond Deeg. It broke my heart. We were close. Uh, we all grew up in Newcastle, New South Wales, in a place called Holmesville. And uh, we all moved to Western Australia when one of us moved over, and that was Gareth, my younger brother. When he moved over, uh, we all followed because we're that close. And on the 28th, we lost Clay. Clay passed away at home. He was in a great place. He was successful in his business. He was going great. Everything was just perfect. And unfortunately, we don't know exactly what happened yet, but Clay passed away in front of his family uh, that morning and receiving that phone call was the worst phone call I've ever received in my life. I was absolutely shocked. So I want to take this opportunity before we start the podcast to say, Clay Raymond Deeg, I love you and I will miss you with all my heart. You're a fantastic brother. You're an even better father and a great husband. You've left behind two boys, which Gareth, I and their uncle Mike, and of course the rest of the family, on both Sammy's side and our side, will do our utmost to make sure those boys grow up with their father in their heart and anything we can do to make sure they're successful young men, just like their father, we will endeavour to do. Clay, you're an absolute champion. From the young fella that grew up running around Holmesville that used to have all the girls <laughs> chasing him around. He was a martial artist. He was a young actor. He was a model for a while. He was a good-looking boy. Um, and he just had a way with people that won them over. Almost like he knew that uh, he only had a short life and that he needed to squeeze every day and make sure that he made the most of every day. It's like he knew. Clay, you married your soulmate, and I couldn't imagine you with anybody else. Um, all those years watching you grow up, <laughs> seeing the boys that you've got, I just couldn't imagine anything being different. You, you're an amazing man. Um, you're a policeman. <laughs> you're a chef. Nah. You had more degrees than a than a thermometer. Like it was just crazy. Like it, Clay, I've never met somebody who was so driven, so compassionate. And this week, I've received a lot of text messages, phone calls. Um, we've used social media to look at some of the things that have been posted about you, mate, and the impact that you had on everybody that was around you is insurmountable. It was absolutely incredible and I am proud of the person that you were and I'm sure everybody else is. You had a massive impact on everyone's lives but no more than your two young fellas and your gorgeous wife. Clay, you're going to be missed. I love you. Rest easy, my brother. And we'll, we'll see each other again one day. Okay, welcome to Stacks, and today's guest is a man who is on the move. I can't help but say that. He is an actor. He is appearing in some massive things that are going to be landing on our shores this year, both uh, Australian-wide and possibly international. He is doing great things. He's a very interesting man. He's a very 
a very sound guy. He's a uh, he's he's a big presence. All six foot four of him, and uh, and a man who's definitely going to uh, go places in the future. Luke and I were speaking the other day on social media, and he told me that he was back in Perth, and I asked if he'd like to come on the podcast. He then also expressed his uh, sorrow for the fact that I'd lost my brother and he too was going through the loss of someone very, very close to him in these last few days. So I guess we reached common ground when we sat down and talked and it wasn't overly funny. It was very uh, in-depth and personal and we did get into a bit of his, uh, a bit of his acting career, which was really great to hear. So hang on to this name. He is, as I said, he's going places. He's going to be uh, big things in the future. And he's doing great things now. Uh, Go to the Facebook page if you want to see uh, who Luke is. And uh, check out Luke and see what he's doing. And uh, jump on the Luke bandwagon because, as I said, he's, uh, he's a man on the move. He's going places and he knows what he wants and he knows how to get it. And he's doing that right now. So without uh, any further ado, I'm going to introduce now to my friend, Mr. Luke Thornley, actor. And here he is sitting right in front of me. And I'm, hey, I haven't seen you for quite a while, but Luke Thornley. Yeah, man, it's just good to see you again. Yeah, mate, it's been a while. Mate, uh, a lot going on in your life. Um, Definitely. L- let's uh, dive down that little rabbit hole to start off with. Mate, you moved to Sydney. Yep. To pursue, your, you, you're, you've been an actor for quite some time now. It's something yep. that you've dedicated the latter part of your life to, mate, and it's starting to pay dividends. I've noticed you moved in with management. You've got a few uh, a few roles over in Sydney. You've got features coming up, mate. Let's We want to hear about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I moved to Sydney, and the first thing I got in the first couple of months I was there was Walk-In Sydney, which is a, a Sydney's original theatre-based walk-in tour. Yep. So I played two characters on a walk-in tour. I played Jack Lane from the 1930s, who's an ex-digger in Hamill Hill in the First World War, and he came back to Sydney in the Great Depression with his family, built the bridge, you hear his story, um, a little bit of a stance, a bit of a poem, then some improv. So um, he was in the war in 1914. Yeah. He comes back to live in Sydney. And he thinks it's going to be a better life. Yep. And then... the tail end of the Great Depression. So, was, so the whole town is yeah. struggling in that era. Yeah, there's even riots in Hawke's River and... In one such riot, a policeman shot and killed a little boy. Um, there's rent strikes in Surrey Hills. Really, really tough. And this is all around what, what year? Um, yeah, 1930s. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Had the, had the Razor Wars finished at that period of time? Because there, there was a lot of gangs around that time, wasn't there? Like the, was it, you're not too sure? Not too sure about that, but in the 1870s, there was lots of bush gangs. Yep. Um, and then that's just the start of the push gangs, actually. It was actually just a few few more years after that. Also into the 1900s were also push gangs. And may I ask, what was the name of this guy again? Uh, this is Jack Delaney. Jack Delaney. Yeah. And he's now he's in his working on building the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yeah, yeah. So heavy work, mate, like lots of steel rivets that are pounded in. and Yeah. yeah no machinery. It was a lot of it was hand, hand built. And no safety. No safety. No safety. And 18-hour days plus. Wow. Like, there's even a story there where... Because um, Jack Lane is based on a true, like, fictional character. Yeah. The name's made up. And basically, a whole lot of workers went to the union one day to ask for a solid 18-hour day. But they said no. Really? Yeah. So... Oh man, tough time. Like we think we've got it bad. Yeah, we think we've got it bad with our twelve-hour days. Or... And getting paid bugger all as well. Yeah. So what was Jack's? What was he angry? Do you think he would be an angry man? Do you think he'd be? What would his? What would he? What yeah, do you think he, his demeanor would be? What? What's? Definitely angry because angry, but also passionate and passionate for change. 
he's one of those men that would stand up and and talk to the diggers and talk to the the workers there at the wharf and really kind of persuade them like hey we're slaves of the system here we need to stand up and we need to do something about this whether that be a strike whether that be i don't know what other he can he can do but he would make change happen yeah he's sick and tired of building these cities of golds for these slave drivers so when now the concept of this the the tours that you do you you play a, a character Tourists come in and they do a walking tour and they get to meet these characters yes. in Sydney. Yes. Okay. Um, so I guess, do you give that off? Do you sort of, you know, give that like I'm a bit pissed off sort of thing? Definitely, yeah. definitely. There's In the he, role? Yeah. There's a, a poem he reads that first time that lasts about four or five stanzas and he gets quite passionately... Um, I wouldn't say angry, well, angry at the system, more passionate kind of wanting change. Yeah. And he lays down the law and says like, this is what we do. We line up at that gate at four o'clock every morning and we wait for that bloody job ticket. And... Because that was, that's the way it worked back yeah. then, wasn't it? They'd, they'd line up at the gate. Yep. You'd have a foreman come out and he would handpick who he's going to take that day. It was pretty much all that's out. Sort of, yeah. sort of dry. It was more of a stevedore would come out Got with it. job tickets in hand. And in his own good time, he'll just throw them over the gate and watch as men scramble and even punch on just so they can work that day. Of course they would. And Especially if you had kids at home. You'd yeah. fight. You'd fight. Neighbours against neighbours, friends against friends. Wow. We all had to survive. We all had to put food in, in, in a house for our wife and kids and our family and still have to pay rent. And if you missed out there, you either walk across to Piemont or across Woolmaloo. And I guess I wonder if, in saying that, I wonder if... Um you'd have standover merchants on the other side of the fence that they would band together and deal with anyone that grabbed a ticket like, you better give me that ticket or it's not going to be healthy for you. You know, like, God, I'm sure that went, went on. That's, um, that's insane. That kind of character is called the, the bulls. Right. They're stronger in, in muscle and body, and, but weak in character. And yep. they, would cut de- de- um, they would cut deals and work for less. And undercut everyone else, so they had all the work. Got it. So there were those men. There were the, there was quite a lot of bribery, the wharves and Far the shipholds. It's something that uh, we probably wouldn't even give thought to today. No, you know, like that 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 was the foundation. Hmm. And and I guess now every time I look at the Sydney Harbour Bridge, I'm going to see that. I'm going to think of that. Yeah. Wow. wow, that's insane. And it wasn't easy work. It wasn't just the Sydney Harbour Bridge. It was like lifting these blade enormous loads of wool, pig iron, soda rash, even asbestos. And they work without gloves. So the maggots would crawl up your hands all over your face. Wet hides as well. And it's just the work that what we complain about these days is <laughs> is nothing compared to what they went through in the 1930s. And oh, yeah. yeah you're, pissed, <laughs> you're pissed off because your lunch break got cut short five minutes because you're busy. Oh, mate, yeah, these guys had lunch or maybe they had lunch with a great view. On top of the Sydney Bridge, but it only lasted five minutes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's nuts. So, do you enjoy? Do you enjoy that? I guess being outdoors and doing. I can. I remember going to Old Sydney Town as a young fella. Used to go there quite a bit, and you'd go there, and you'd have all these guys playing roles. You know, you'd have Sally that's getting flogged, and you know, you'd have uh, you know, like uh, Peter, someone who, who was the local thief, and he got caught, and you'd be wrangled by the the red coats and taken down to the docks and given the lashings and it used to be insane and I, I haven't seen that apart from a few theatre restaurants up around the Gold Coast and that I don't I, I don't see that anymore so to hear that that's still alive and well in Sydney is really really cool and the fact that you know I've got a mate that's doing it that's really that's really awesome yeah thanks Jai um I guess I've always loved interactive theatre as um as you know I did Fremantle prison tours yep and um that was the jump out of the cell, do my thing, scare the shit out of everyone, do a monologue and jump back in. And it's just that fact, it's that, I think I, the reason why I love it so much is that it's a cross between film and theatre. Yep. It's close enough so you read the reactions of everyone else, but it's further away enough so that you can use the space and perform and... But you're use. also in the best setting because you're in the exactly. actual setting. Actually like- in the setting. So we actually, that performance takes off um, in front of the Bond building. Got it. On the Hungry Mile. Yeah. Wow. Mate, and so, you know, you, you've been doing that 
for a little bit. Just going to adjust my mic here. So sorry, people at home, for the bit of crackling going on there. Um, yeah, so you've been doing that for sort of a while now. That that's your bread and butter over in Sydney. That's what you're doing. So that's your week in week out, so to speak. But look, mate, you're an aspiring actor. I'm I'm waiting still to see you on a major feature film, and I think it's coming. Have you got news for me? Have you got anything you can let out of the bag? I do have news for you, but I can't let out of the bag, unfortunately. Yeah, that's fair enough. I it understand is, that. Um, but yes, there is a big ticket item this year coming. Excellent. And um, you obviously, you play a role in that somewhere down the line? Yeah. Mate, I'm, I'm looking at, and I'm going to describe Luke to people at home, 6'2"? A bit more than that. 6'3"? 6'3"? 6'4". 6'4"? So he's, he's not little. Um, he's, he's got a presence. And 6'4", uh, I'd say... Oh, pushing ninety kilos, sort of. So there's, you know, there's there's a fair bit of look. But in saying that, too, he's very strong characteristics uh, in his in his facial features. You've got everything I think I'd want in someone to play, like an Australian bushman looking guy, or a, you know, or or even that sort of henchman sort of looking dude, or you know, like there's there's you've got that you've got that unique, and and uh, the guy that I'm gonna sort of. Th- think that, that I come across it when I first met you and I thought and you said you know I'm an actor and all that I went yeah cool and then this, the first guy I thought of was in Mad Max the original guy uh, the sorry the original Mad Max and there was the guy that flew that plane with the goggles and he was kind of mad and uh, look I, I don't know much more about it but when I, I seen the way you walk and you sort of hold yourself it just reminded me of that guy and I just went and, and he was such a character it's, and you know what he's the one character I remember in Mad Max, so uh, yeah, mate. I reckon uh, once once it's sort of all happening for you, and that, and uh, yeah, don't forget me, mate. Yeah, just no, nah, uh, I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, yeah I, I, <laughs> you saw me up, I forget. Yeah, you. yeah. I've, I've, I know, I know a few people in the industry that uh, joy and remember. Nah, mate. Sorry. Nah, I've been busy. Uh, been busy, mate. And, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, sorry, mate. I've had the, the rugby league club. Dog. Uh, yeah, oh, oh, you do look familiar. Yeah, uh, were you in Uncle Buck? Yeah, and stuff like that. So, yeah, nah, but uh, no. Nah, so I'll, uh, I'll hold you that. But mate, really good news. Really exciting to uh, come up, mate. As as a someone in your position, you would have had times where I know, even being a musician, and a lot of musicians listen to this film clip. Aliens in the background. We're being uh, we're being probed. Oh um, no. There's a lot of musicians that listen to this and. We often talk about the hard times because in music there's not a lot of money uh, unless you make it. And I can imagine the same working in theatre or anything like that. You've got the, the gigs that sort of just pay the bills until you're kind of a, a headline act, so to speak. So has it been tough for you for the last few years in that regard? Well, when I first went to Sydney, um, there were outside pressures pushing me over there. I was always going to go over there, but um, there were certain... Family issues that pushed me there. Yep. And I had five thousand dollars in my back pocket, and with rent in Sydney and food cost and public transport, I skyrocketed through that in about two months. Could imagine. And uh, my parents always said that you should leave enough money to get a ticket home, and I went right down to about fifty dollars in my bank account. Wow. And and that's when I got walk in Sydney, and that's when I started. Yeah. Isn't it funny how looking up. things just seem to work out? Yeah. You know, like I've been in situations where I've, I mean, I've got a young family sort of to look after now and I've been in situations where I haven't got a razoo to my name and then I get this phone call and it's like, oh my God, it'll work. You know, like, yeah. awesome. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah no, there were times there when my sober diet was two minute noodles. <laughs> <laughs> For a few weeks. Wait, I've... I've <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've been earning a grand plus a week and I still eat two-minute noodles because I'm a lazy <laughs> Hey, there's nothing wrong with two-minute noodles. It's great. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah so, um, yeah, so you've settled down over there now. And, and do you think Sydney's going to be home for a while? Because like, you've established a bit of a network there. And Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I always network wherever I go. And over the past few years, I've yeah, met a lot of great people. Is there a, is there a scene? Do you guys hang out like on... I've been a comedian over the years, and I know comedians tend to hang out together. Musos, eh, they hang out together, you know, with their bandmates and that. Do, do, do you guys, is there that little culture click where you guys hang out together as well? or Not really. Really? Not really. Not for me, maybe for other people, but like everyone has their little groups, and they've been like friends for five, ten years, and they've been in the industry for that long. Yeah. Um, 
where I'm still kind of fresh blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, there's there's people I hang out with like riding groups and because I do like a, I like a bit of riding as well. Yeah, and my spare time, and yeah, and I hang out with those groups. I meet the same people and networking events. You just kind of get to know them more and more, and hang out with them as friends. But as for clicks, n- n- not not really. And uh, sorry about that, but we've got a little guest that's just appeared on the podcast. Uh, no, she's taken off again. We've uh, we've got little Kiki D for the first time on the podcast. Just showing a little a little face through the door. She can come on in when she wants, but she's taken off again. So you might hear Kiki in the background throwing her two cents in. But uh, yeah, so we're talking about those clicks, Luke. But um, mate, you've you've done a lot a lot of work, and we just lost about five minutes on the podcast due to me not paying attention, but um, mate, we're talking about uh, in Perth how you sort of kicked off here, and you're telling me about the Titanic exhibition. Yeah. So I, I did that soon after we returned from America. And well, actually, let's get into that. You went to America. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you went over there and you did some, was it auditioning or? Uh, yeah, basically auditioning, yeah. Yeah. And just workshopping the skills and learn a lot about myself and the business side of the industry in los angeles in los angeles yeah, yeah. I, I thought i read that somewhere in, in dubai or something so. yeah. yeah yeah and we actually um the classroom was actually at the place where charlie chaplin studied so they really brought things home this <laughs> is going to be a little distracting <laughs> yeah. okay i can deal with distraction kiki's actually a performer <laughs> herself she's a little performer so dup it dup it dup it there and gets very shy around people. <laughs> well, for five minutes, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're doing those over there. That, yeah. Did you make any really good contacts over there that you still are in contact with today? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely casting directors and, and such like. Yeah. And, and I've got this romantic idea in my head that the, is there still that romanticism with Australians in LA? Or? Oh, they love Australians. Yeah. They love Australians. Yeah. It's. It's for two reasons. One, they're real men. They're like, they walk in and they're men. Yeah. They're Australian men and they're rough and they're, they're gutty and they take risks. And that's one of the main reasons why they, 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 they love Australians. And the fact that they've worked all this time to a flawless American accent and that they've done all this work and they're over there. Yeah. Where Americans walk in and it's like, I'm here. I mean, we've had a good legacy, haven't we? We've had, you know, like yeah. going right back to, you know, like, well, Mel kind of was American. His father was American. So <laughs> we'll leave Mel Gibson alone. But, um, you know, and then we, but then we sent over Paul Hogan and yeah. we, we probably nearly, that would have went one way or the other. Mm. Would have went right. Australians are really weird. <laughs> <laughs> or, we are or, a little bit weird. <laughs> Or that, or they love us, and uh, somehow they 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 went for it. Yeah, <laughs> I still get a lot of Americans getting South Africans and Australians mixed up. Somehow I don't know, like, g'day mate, how you going? And oh, hello, how are you going? It's a beautiful day. I don't know, <laughs> what, you, I don't know what you're talking about. I, the uh, accent sounds nothing at all <laughs> similar. No. Nothing at all similar. Nothing at all similar. <laughs> They're like, is that, is that South Australian? <laughs> Yeah, so you make these auditions that you do. Yeah. Um, is it like the movies? Is it like, like, is there sort of like you on stage in this massive theatre? Okay, can you deliver your lines for me, please? Okay, look, look, yeah, look, we're here. Look, can you please give me the lines? You tell, you've studied the lines, right, Luke? You've stu- okay, and then they're like sitting in the, in the theatre and they're just like there with the clipboards, you know, two assistants either side of them and that, and you're like, yeah, it's a good day, isn't it? Thank you, Luke. Thank you. Next. Is, is, is it like that? <laughs> no, it's not like the movies, Jay. <laughs> it's a movie industry, but it's not like the movies. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, no, the, it's, a, it's a classroom setting. And it was just every day for five weeks. Do you have to wear tights? No. No, I just, yeah. I don't know. I actually rocked up in a suit the first time because I wanted to make a good impression. And they clearly said to me, it's like, change your clothes <laughs> yeah. yeah we want you to be comfortable my mother overdressed me as a kid too i'd rock up to like school functions the only one in the suit yeah uh, and it's like everyone else is wearing like you know batman t-shirts 
Yep. <laughs> so, so, did you feel weird walking in in the cell, or did you feel dignified? Did you go like, I'm dressed much better than that guy? A bit of both. <laughs> a bit of both. I walk in and everyone's wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and I'm wearing a suit and saying, "Okay, um, right." <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the, like a, as you said, like more of a classroom type scenario. Yeah. So I guess it's. Up close and personal, you don't feel that distance. It's very close and personal. Like the cast director is just on the other side of the camera. What, so, are, they, what are they looking for? Oh, I suppose that's the golden question, truth. isn't it? Truth. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're looking for truth. That's a really good answer. And I guess, uh, what would you say? Uh, truth to the character as well. Truth to the character, truth in the eyes. Yeah. And the fact that you're not acting, you're being. Do you think Americans, like I. I see, I can't stand like NCIS and all these sitcoms. I feel they're just overacted to the shitter. You know what I mean? Like they're just, or am I wrong? It's just that format. But I'll just, I don't know. Yes, Carol. I do believe she's suffering from angina. You know, like it's just. Although like, <laughs> well, you, you, like, you like, put it there, yes, it yeah, sounds pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, cousin, uh, she's got a bit of angina, mate. You know? <laughs> It does sound pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I don't really watch those shows. Nah. I used to watch Criminal Minds quite a bit. I love that show. Yeah. But um, I don't think I really, really watched NCIS or anything like that. Do you ever, would you say you've watched, is there a particular film that you've watched and you've gone, that's taught me a lot as to how I want to look on film? I know that's... Oh. Is there something in particular where you've gone, no. oh, that's... Yeah, for me, it's anything with The Rock. I want to look like that. <laughs> not really. Not really. I haven't really fallen into that kind of, that, that mindset. More the fact that um, um, I, I admire great acting. I admire actors that can tell the truth and that never lose my attention. Yep. Um, anyone, anyone in particular that you really admire that? Oh, I admired Morgan Freeman for a very long time. Yeah. And Leonardo DiCaprio. In saying, actually, on Morgan Freeman, he doesn't... I mean, you take someone like... Uh, who's the guy who played Bane in Batman? Christian... The, no, 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 Christian, no, 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 no. The, um, the English guy played... Yeah, um, played... Um, he's played a lot of roles. And he's still, to this day, is getting a lot of roles. I can't think of his name. Uh, Tom, Tom... Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. When I look at Tom Hardy... And, and I guess... Uh, the guy that you first mentioned too, Christian Bale, was when you see that, and Daniel Day-Lewis to a degree, they're so different in their characters. Yeah. Morgan Freeman is Morgan Freeman. Yeah. So when you get Morgan Freeman, he's still talking and the, you know, the way you, mm. with that nice, deep, beautiful voice that he has, mm. you know, and he doesn't change, he doesn't turn into like a, another person. No. Yet he still gets away with it because of his earnesty, you yeah. know, like, and how earnest he is. He, it's, and he's, I never thought of it like that, but he's he, spirit in every character. Where he's playing a good guy or a bad guy. It's usually God. Yeah, <laughs> he's, always... he's usually playing God. I wonder <laughs> if Morgan Freeman, when he passes, goes to heaven, and God sits there and goes, "You did a good job, son. <laughs> I want to be just like you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just his his generosity and his spirit yeah. is just in every character, whether it be good or bad. Yeah, I must admit, my favorite role that he, voice. he was in was Shawshank Redemption. I just loved what he was about in that movie, mm. knowing that he was never getting out, yeah. but wanted to see someone else make it mm. because of an injustice. You know, yeah, very good. Mm. Now, quick question: Did you decide to become and dedicate yourself one hundred and eighty percent to becoming what you are today and who you are today and in the future? In Perth, did you decide to become I'm Luke Thornley actor in Perth, or was it something that when you went to Sydney, you decided, no, nah, this is what I'm doing? In Perth, it was 2014. It was my first ever like paid professional TV gig. It was Australia: The Story of Us. They flew me up there to Karratha for two days, and I played Stockman on that documentary series for Channel Seven. You know, I saw that. I saw that series. On a Qantas flight. The, the Australia, the story of us. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was huge. I went through it and that's where I watched it. And I went, oh, there he is. Yeah. Yeah. With a massive 
beard yeah. and grow for about two months, I think. <laughs> oh, so that was legit, that beard? Yeah, it was legit. Yeah, yeah. excellent. I got the um, the news on, on my birthday. Yep. I got the role. And did they say, look, start growing a beard? They said, we like your beard, keep growing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. yep. And then because, um, I don't know if it was a cyclone or something went through or lots of rain, it just basically flooded out all the roads. So production was delayed for about two weeks. Yep. Um, so I was calling work up every day saying, can't come in, can't come in, I may fly out, may fly out. <laughs> and just gave no notice. But because they were so supportive, they were like, yeah, that's, go for Yeah, it. that's awesome. And it's, it's good that you have that, you know, I mean, they knew that you, you're just there biding time until the day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's and awesome. And that. That, that boils down to your direct management, I suppose, in that company. Mm. So that's really cool of those to, you know, no worries. Yeah. They're the ones at the end of the day filling in for a day f- for the roster and stuff like that. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, after that, I just, I was like, this is it. Yep. This is what I want to do. I've, I've been an actor in Perth for, for two years and doing student, student short films, role playing. I did role playing with WO Police. As a um, it's Snarrow Village, so that was great. At, w- at where? Snarrow Village. Where's that? It's in Junalup. Oh, at the academy. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I was playing so- the bad guy and the good guy, <laughs> banging on doors, abusing the other actors and in, in character, and they're coming and running and tackling to the ground. Oh, so you do like domestic situations yeah. where you're like, it's on. Yeah, it's yeah. on. We had props and we had makeup and we had everything like that. Do you get physically manhandled by the? Uh, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, right. Sometimes. Like like cuffed and all that gear. Not cuffed. Oh, just hands behind back. There goes that thought. <laughs> safety, Joe. Safety. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, well, I suppose because you'd probably do the role like you can imagine, just someone say, "Right, yeah, uh, this is a cadet." You know, oh, uh, Jeff, um, you need to play the role of an abusive male in a domestic situation, and he'd be he'd be terrible. He'd be like, "I really hate you, and I am going to the pub, and when I get back, my dinner." better be cooked oh, or God. I am going to probably be very violent with you. Like, imagine like, so... You're putting me to sleep already, Jay. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's so good that you, you play that sort of... Because it'd be legit. Because they've got to, yeah. got to prepare for that. Yeah, know? exactly. So there was upstairs, there's an apartment building, there was a bank all set up. And yeah, the apartment building just brings to life. I was, I was working with um, actress Molly oh, Kerr. Are we, are we, do we have to burn this now? Are we supposed to know that? Or is it squirrel business in there? No, no, this, is, this isn't confidential. No. Nah. No, no. I've actually, my brother was a policeman, so he, I knew yeah. about what went on there. But yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Mate, you've had some roles. Yeah. You've had some roles. Titanic in Perth. Titanic, yeah, the live exhibition. The live exhibition, where you sort of, I guess that's a little bit like the, the walkie tour thing, where it's a... Yeah, she's singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was also... <laughs> she's singing play school. Late 2015. Yep. When I got back from America, I got that. And basically, he's just given overnight to learn a four-page script. Now, uh, and an Irish accent. You, the Irish... Now, I've tried an Irish accent. <laughs> And I sound like that stupid leprechaun stereotype shit accent that all the Irish people go, if I hear that for one more minute, you'll see the fighting Irish in me. <laughs> so, uh, mate, can you remember any of the lines? Yeah, okay. Can you give me, can you give me a bit? Eh, for my 24 years, been spent at sea. This last dozen have been the best years of my life. From my beginnings in this world with cold and Oregon stone. I was born out of wedlock in Liverpool. My father, even call him that, as soon after my birth. Never knew what set eyes on the man, but things were going to get a lot worse from there. Well, that's impressive. You were that guy. That's, <laughs> Thanks, Jack. You know, I felt like this calm come in the room when you said that. So that line that you just delivered, that you were a sailor on the Titanic? Yeah, I was an able seaman. Yep. Frederick Fleet was the... Uh, the guy that missed the iceberg. Did you know I was an able seaman? I did not know That's that. That's how I'm on this earth, yeah. Then, wow. Then I become Jai nine months later. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Shocking joke. <laughs> just, just sinking in. Sorry, 
Sorry about that. That's what this podcast is like, full of uh, <laughs> one one bad one bad line after another, mate. Um, yeah, so he was an able seaman on the on the Titanic, and he was mm. just on it because he had a pretty bad life back in Ireland. Yeah, he first started in the Oceanic, which was a sister ship of the Titanic, for White Star Lines, and then he got transferred to the Titanic. Really, really cool. That was. And so you've had no training, like dialogue training or anything like that? Like um, Weekend workshops here and there with casting directors, directors, and other actors. Yep. And a whole lot of on-set experience, just learning from people who do it every single day. That's amazing. Oh, I was impressed that... Have you ever had people say from the country that the accent you're doing is bang on? Like... Yeah, so... That, I couldn't imagine an Irish person saying that sounds terrible. That, to me, was so convincing. Yeah, no. Um, so that is a mixture of Liverpudlian and Irish. Yep. Because as a sailor, he will drop his H's. Yep. And just that mixture of... Yeah, he was born in Liverpool, but then he spent from 12 years, 12 years onwards in various training ships around the, the coastal areas and the seas. So you must have to dive back... And do a bit of history research. Yeah, definitely. And then you'd also, I guess, even just to hear the tone in the voice, you have to know what was going on at that period of time. Yep, and know I what mean, all if, the words mean. And If life was sweet, you'd, you'd have a, a certain happiness in the tone of voice. But if, yeah. if it was a depressive time, like the depression, mm. like, like your earlier character, mm. I guess you have to have that almost a defeated tone in your voice, you know. Yeah. yeah. And Frederick Fleet was, um, he had a very troubled life. Like his childhood, his his dad leaving when he was just a baby, a kid, and then his mum leaving when he was a kid. Um, sorry, his dad left when he was born. Um, and then training ships, then Oceanic was his life was starting to get better, and then Titanic, and then that went down. And because he was a survivor of Titanic, his reputation was tarnished. So yeah. he moved to a different shipping company and. The work wasn't good there. I mean, they the, anyone that any male that survived that got yeah. a flog. But in saying that, you needed the guys to help the women into the boats to to yeah. then to then you know that was their job. Like mm. you'd have that one or two guys, and then you'd still have you know, twenty or twenty four definitely passengers. But I mean, that was no one else's fault, but the the company that just obviously didn't provide the enough lifeboats. But geez, that was a crazy time. That was a, yeah. once again. Like uh, that, that it just set the course of the way things are in the shipping world. Mm, definitely. And because of the Titanic, um, because Titanic sent out a Mayday signal and ships nearby were receiving it, but no one was in the communications area at that time. Got it. So when the Titanic went down, they made it compulsory for all communications to be manned 24-7. Which you think would make sense. Yeah. And also the fact that a ship must have capacity for all passengers on board. Yeah. That came through as well. And also something, forgotten the official title, but the Atlantic Sea Patrol, Ice Patrol, to make sure of tracking icebergs for all the shipping shipping lines. That's so crazy. Those three things happened because the Titanic went down. Yeah. And that from that day. From that from day. From that day forward. Mate, um, one thing I'm picking up in this podcast is that as an actor, you also have a very close affiliation with history. Mm. Yeah. That's, oh, um, yeah. Like, I mean, you learn a lot about it. If you're playing a historical role, I guess you, you learn so much. And not directly through your research, but you would learn it through other things like just being on set and Definitely. asking questions to fellow... Exactly. Oh, so why is your you know character doing that? And then all of a sudden you find out so much. So mm. I never realised that yeah you'd actually have a really good grasp. And I must admit, podcasting with somebody who's an actor is fantastic because I'm learning so much. <laughs> like I'm I'm really digging this podcast. I'm learning a lot about Sydney. I'm learning about a Titanic. Yeah. You know, and this <laughs> you know all from somebody who's sort of doing a little bit of little you know i shouldn't say a little bit you're doing a lot of it a lot of acting and and a lot of, but a little bit of learning about history on the way through yeah yeah this is really really cool and the funny thing is i hate history at school oh no 
same and I love it today. Yeah. I spend half I my time on YouTube looking at historical yeah. uh, documentaries and that. I've got, actually, this is something I'd, I'd like to hear your opinion on. I've got this thing where I, I just think that I've been getting right into, and uh, and I know everyone's got a different opinion, but the more study you got, I mean, there's so much stuff on YouTube which is out there, and you just go, okay, bit of fun, you know. Yeah. But I'm learning, I think our historical what uh, the, our history is a little bit you know uh we're missing something and, mm. and i've got a feeling it was a civilization that was here and then the great floods come along and we lost a lot of history and then what moved forward from those days was we forgot a lot about what there was an old history mm. that was sort of missing you know and that's why the pyramids are about and these massive monoliths and all that mm. kind of stuff and i still think it was tied into um, like a god coming from above, but you know, like it was. A, I think the way we sort of have it today is our interpretation of it, but it's very similar to what actually went down. But there's a lot of stuff in between, which is wrong. So it's probably a bit weird time to get in that conversation. But <laughs> uh, uh, we both had a uh, a lot going on in the last few few days, and I yeah. guess you start thinking about a lot of things and my mind has been working overtime in that field like thinking about you know and i'm asking all these questions and you know like it's i'm asking why yeah yeah i i i haven't because there's no answer for mm. why uh just to fill people in at home luke lost someone very close to him very recently uh, my brother passed away only a few days ago and we contacted each other and yeah. basically to say we're sorry for the for the loss and all that, and I thought it was a good idea that we get together and and have a bit of a bit of a chat. So I don't want to bring the podcast down too much, and uh, don't want to sort of harp on it too much. But I also think it's a good opportunity to talk about a few of the things and, and more the happier things, I suppose. And one thing I want to say is that a lot of people don't ever take the time to reach out and tell people exactly how they feel. They're so wrapped up in work. And the amount of times you want to catch up with someone, they go, I can't, I've got work, I've got to do this, I've got work. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it made me realise the most important commodity on this planet is time. Yeah. And it's the most, uh, no amount of money can buy time. No, no amount of gold can buy time. Nope. The only thing that can buy time is you taking time yeah. to create that time. Yeah. yeah. It puts it all into perspective for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's like really draws things close, like other friends and, and really contacting them and really lean on their support as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just how much you value friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And family. And I guess... The, and family. I guess to look at a positive in something that's happened that's so drastic, I guess, is that if you don't take things out of this and then apply them to the rest of your life it's really not it's in vain if you know what I mean so Definitely. yeah and for me my my message in losing someone so close to me was that create time create time to to be with them create time to tell them how you feel and give those closest to you time as well and as I said this this word time is just the, the, my mm. word. If I could take one word from how I'm feeling and everything and just what would be the most significant word would be time. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think my child's gone completely crazy. Yeah, a little bit insane. <laughs> she's, she's probably in the dishwasher or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's um, something that's sort of pretty heavy, mate. But I guess... Another thing you could probably take out of this too is to, we all go through things in life where we go through complete euphoria, euphoria where we're so happy with life or something happens and like the first time you got laid, you know what I mean? Like it's, you're so euphoric and I remember still to this day what I was like as a teenager, I was like, this is the best thing that I've ever happened in my life. <laughs> and then when I first sort of, you know, caught a wave and, and got, you know, like in a barrel for the first time in my life, I was like, this is the best thing that's happened in my life. When I won a grand final, this is the best thing that happened in my life. So I'm going through these stages through life where these huge highs are happening, but then there's no highs without lows. 
And when I had those lows, I guess the thing that always was in my mind was that, okay, I'm here, but I know that that next, this is the best thing that happened in my life is on its way. I just mm. don't know when it's going to arrive, but it's definitely coming. And that is a philosophy that I've carried through life, which has helped me get through those those times of utter shit where I feel bad and I just know that and I've always said it's just a way it's like waves it's like waves in the ocean when mm. when you're down low it sucks to be down there but you just know that those waves keep coming and that there's going to be that next one where you you know and I guess that's coming for you mate you've got these roles to play Definitely. The, the secret squirrel roles that you can't tell me about <laughs> <laughs> yeah so mate um, hey you know do you, do you feel the same way? Do you feel that there's those, you know, those, those crests of those waves are coming, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Especially, yeah, this year, like everything's coming to, coming to a head. Yeah. Everything I've worked so hard to achieve is, is building momentum. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, it's a great feeling. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just in a good place in my life right now. Yeah. With I mean, family and friends and career. Yeah. It's, um, all the hard work's paying off. Yeah, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm super, super stoked for you. I just know, and I can't. I want to just reverse, rewind back. The first time that I met Luke, we were actually in both involved on a project. I was dabbling doing very cheap video clips for uh, <laughs> for guys around Perth, um, mainly just to get experience. I wasn't out there trying to be the best director on the planet, but I wanted to get some directing things under my belt. Just see if it's something I like doing, and I really enjoyed it. I must admit, and the guy that was having the and, and I won't bring names into it, but um, although he probably would like it if we mentioned him, yeah, <laughs> yeah. mention yeah. Aaron, yeah, yeah. So Aaron probably love it. So uh, he's someone I've got to get on the podcast because he's another driven soul as well. Yeah, he's he's still he, making music. He's, he is so yeah. driven. That guy, he, you and him are peas in a pod like that. You just so this is what I do. I don't care. This is what I do. Mm. You know. Um, so we were involved on one of Aaron's um, uh, film clips and I can't remember the name of the clip Let's see how Head over heels Thank you very much <laughs> I'm glad you did <laughs> So we made this clip and for what it was just a VCR uh, like a video camera and what we did I thought the clip actually turned out really good Yeah, definitely it's, it's, It kind of explains what it's all about and um, so Luke come on board that day and, and I actually worked with a trained actor for the first time and it was really cool because as much as, well, you wouldn't have learned much from me, but I learned a lot from you that day because I had this idea in my head and you just, bang, you laid it down. I didn't have to explain what I wanted. Plus, I would have looked like an idiot because I really didn't know what I was doing anyway. So it kind of laid up. You taught me in a, in a small kind of way how to direct, you know what I mean? Like to, to what to expect or what to ask and... You had some great ideas and, and, yeah, visually it ended up quite cool for what it was. So mm. so we sort of met that day and then since that day I've had a really close eye on uh, Luke's career and followed it and just seen the way that you've been driven and seen what's going on mm. from this day. And, mate, you've uh, you've impressed me. You're out there doing it. I am going to see you one day on the screen and everybody's going to know who you are, I swear. <laughs> I, I swear that's going to happen. But in the industry... yeah. Would you say just a handful of, of people who are actually acting on a full-time basis become that household name? I know in Sydney that I'm, I'm learning fast is that it's a very tight group. It's like people who actually work and get jobs in TV and non-independent feature films. It's a small group. And everyone else is just the buffer. Got it. So there's like the core of the planet. Yeah. You guys are the mantle. Mm-hmm. Just a day day hired act, actor is the crust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah. And people floating around in the atmosphere are trying to get to the earth. <laughs> <laughs> they let me in. They're, they're still in year 12 doing a, a, a production at high school. Yeah, avoiding all the asteroids and, <laughs> and the comments. <laughs> That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. So, um, is there, I mean, like, journey to the center of the earth <laughs> is, is there a way to get into the center like well everyone uh, this is this is well known in the industry is that you don't follow another actor's path because everyone's different yes and you make your own journey 
yeah. you um you knock on doors and sometimes they open, sometimes they don't. Yeah. And actually, I'll bring this forward. It's it's an analogy I did. I did an interview for um uh, Sydney Socialites yep. last year. Basically, I got together with an underwater photographer, and I shot an underwater um modeling type scene. I was dressed in a suit, and the analogy I the the quote I used is that life is, is like surfing. You're all sitting on the waves and on the ocean and you're waiting for that wave to come. And people don't have the, the resilience and the guts to do it. So when that wave comes, they're not ready for it and they let it go, go by. And there's others who get on the wave and ride it. But then sometimes it crashes early and they have to get back and go back on again. That's perfect. Sometimes they get dumped. Sometimes they get airborne and they go, oh yeah, and then it hits back down to reality and some go right to the shore. That's awesome. Well, mate, I'm a surfer. I know exactly what you're saying. That's, that makes so much sense. And I guess you can apply that to a lot of things in life. That's, Definitely. I guess you could say surfing is all about opportunity. Definitely. And taking that opportunity. And taking that opportunity because so many people don't. I've talked to so many actors over the years that they're great at what they do, but they don't have the, the, the drive to do it. Can it be dangerous to say yes to everything? Definitely. Yep. Definitely, of course, because it's your brand. You need to protect your brand. You need to choose roles wisely. Yeah. And I always have from the get-go. And I've avoided some pretty disastrous <laughs> <laughs> projects for that very reason. <laughs> um, so you have to protect your brand. It's, yep. And that is the business mindset a lot of actors don't have. Is that why you knocked me back on that role, Killer Space Tomatoes from Mars? Yeah, definitely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a feeling when I sent that to you, you know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Looks like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good, I'm good mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, busy right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, sounds like a great concept, but I'll, I'll, it's great not for con- me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a great look. At I can see it ending up in a can. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's something you'd have to you'd have to like look out for. Is there is there anything that you've knocked back that's gone on to do good things and you go ah shit I should have taken that one? No, that's good. No, I'll yeah. ask that question again in a few time. Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool, mate. Uh, I'll wrap it up because it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Um, I better go out and see my daughter is actually in the dishwasher. <laughs> uh, wouldn't have been the first time. Um, mate, uh, just very quickly before we go, what's what what's going to happen for Luke in 2018? Well, I got these these three feature films. Yep. One's a sci-fi independent uh, lead role um, where we're playing two characters dealing with parallel universes. Awesome. Will and you be wearing Lycra? I don't know. Probably mm. not. Mm. <laughs> and then there's a minor role in a comedy. Awesome. Yeah. I want to see you do something comedic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's actually what my agent brought up to me. i got a new agent now. Sometimes you remind me of a young Jason Siegel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's someone that I wouldn't have thought would be very apt for comedy, but he's very mm. likable. He's got that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, uh, my new agent said that. He said, we need to find new comedy roles. You've done a lot of drama, but you've got such a nat- natural ability, a natural sense of humour. We need to uncover that. I've, I mean, I've dabbled in comedy and, like, throughout my whole life and, and sort of done it on and off, uh, more off lately. But uh, that comes with being a dad. But um, one thing I've noticed is that I had a lot of friends, or I shouldn't say friends, acquaintances that were in the comedy world, that uh, Claire Hooper, for example who come from a acting background, dabbled in comedy, superb delivery. I don't know if she's a naturally funny person. I don't know her that well. But I guess the really good comedians are those that uh, are very, very naturally funny. Definitely. So I guess if you've got that light side, mm. you'd, you'd, you'd be able to back it up with perfect delivery and timing. Because you're used to having that through the theatrical sense, I suppose, as well. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you learn how to how to hold a hold a crowd, you know. Yeah. Mm. So it'd be interesting. That's why I'd like to see you yeah, do that comedy. Yeah. Well, mate, uh, And then you got a big ticket item. I actually yeah. I, I ran Luke a little bit earlier through uh, yeah, the riff, which was the, the 
comedy that we're, we're suddenly it's underwriting at the moment. And uh, yeah, I think he'll be knocking back that role for his brand as well, um, which is a shame. But uh, yeah, not to worry, <laughs> not to worry. We want we actually want Luke to be successful, not just a uh, yeah like a Seth MacFarlane type wannabe sort of character in in what I'm writing. So yeah, ridiculous sex all over again. So <laughs> that's kind of where the riff is. But yeah, I read it by me. So that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I've got to. Yeah, no, I'm pretty busy that way. <laughs> no, I love it, mate. Um, so you got those roles, you got that coming up in 2018. Anything beyond that that you know of, or is it too early to speak? It's too early to say. Um, with this big ticket item, that that has the potential to launch me. So, yep. yep. Is it supporting role? Uh, no, it's a minor role, but in a yep. big, big, yep. big, big film. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I can't, I can't <laughs> wait, mate. Any advice quickly before we do go to anyone that's listening that's that's young they're acting this is what they want to do with themselves they would have got so much out of what you've said already especially the wave analogies and create your own path is there anything mm. on top of those two things that you could you could throw at someone that's i mean Look. kiki you can hear kiki out there she's <laughs> she's gonna be an actress she's actually running through her lines now <laughs> yeah, she's in the background there so i would say just just be yourself yeah have confidence in in yourself and know yourself completely because the market is cornered on you. You are the brand and at the end of the day, you're, you're selling yourself for these characters. And just be passionate. If, if you've got a passion for acting, then just don't stop. Be unrelenting. Because when those hard times come, the passion will get you through those. That's great. That, that needs to be recorded. That needs to be recorded with a bit of music in the background. And <laughs> that's motivational. G'day, Kiki. You want to come and say something? Hey, Kiki. Mummy. Mummy's gone. <laughs> I, love that. I love that kid. Well, Luke, thank you very much for coming to uh, On Stocks podcast. You've you've been the first time we've got a, a, a real, proper, real actor. Well, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, like a real, a you beaut, ridgy didge, dinky die actor on the Stacks podcast, mate. Thank you very much. You've gotten a lot of effort to get to the... Uh, to the studios here. The Rock Garage still is in construction. It will be finished sometime this year, hopefully. If it isn't, that's really crazy because it's 90% finished. So um, so hopefully, mate, I'd love to get you back on. Yeah, definitely. Maybe when that's finished, mate, and we spend more time and we can relax a little bit more and yeah. you know, spend a bit more time. You do have to go. You're a very busy man. Uh, mate, really appreciate it. Love having you on here. Learned so much. Thank you very much. Luke Thornley, actor, before you go, have you got a favourite original band in Perth? So, yeah, that uh, there is actually one lady. I love her music. It is Alexandria Hainsworth. Alexandria Hainsworth. Yes. Bit of a jazzy singer? Yeah, jazzy, yeah. Yeah, cool. I'm not sure if I've got Alexandria's uh, stuff, but if it's out there for free to, free to air play, I'll... It's I'll, on SoundCloud, yeah. Yeah, I'll dig it out and uh, perhaps air it on uh, Stack's podcast. I will, uh, of course, write to her and sort of mention that... Uh, you're a fan and that that's what you <laughs> wanted to listen to. So Luke Thornley, actor, thank you very much for coming on Stacks thank Podcast, you, mate. Great to see you again. Mate, the sky's the limit for you, buddy. Can't wait to uh, sit here and do it all again. After the three features when you're back in Perth, make sure you give us a yell when you're back in Perth and we'll, yeah, do, we'll do, do it all do it all again and uh, do take two on this uh, little this little uh, this little podcast. Perfect. It's an absolute pleasure, Jai. Thank nah, you for having thanks, me. Thanks, mate. Okay, you've been listening to Stacks Podcast. Stay tuned. We've got uh, a couple of songs coming up for you. That was Luke Thornley, actor. What a guy. Legend of a guy. You're going to be seeing him on the big screen. Um, keep your eye out for him. Absolute champion of a bloke. Great heart. And uh, really want to uh, follow his career very closely. My name's Jai. This is Stacks Podcast. You've been listening. Thank you very much. I'm out. I'd like to dedicate this podcast to a few people. Uh, of course, Clay Deeg, my brother, who I love very dearly and will always hold a very special place in my heart. Also to a young man by the name of Matthew Thompson, Maddie Thompson. I grew up with his brother Tim and his brother Luke and spent a lot of time at his mother Linda's place growing up and spent a lot of my teenage years there. Uh, Matt passed away just prior to New Year's. And Matt, you'll be missed, mate. Also to a guy that I played league against, 
I respected and admired this guy's uh, tenacity on the park. And he was a gentleman off the park as well. And I remember having one beer with him at North Beach Rugby League Club and he left an impression on me as a, a good, honest bloke and a man's man. And that is Mr. Darren Muncher Marshall. Uh, rest in peace, Muncher. And also uh, Mr. Gareth Morgan, uh, who was a pilot from Canada who went down in the Hawkesbury River tragedy the other day. Uh, Luke, who we just interviewed, uh, lived with Gareth and they were very, very close and spent a lot of time together. So to all those boys, may you rest in peace. You're with us in our hearts and we have nothing but fond memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah.